Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I'm super excited to welcome back a return guest, Mark Brandy. Mark Brandy's best-selling novel, Wimmera, won the British Crime Writers Association debut dagger and was named Best Debut at the 2018 Australian Indie Book Awards. It was also shortlisted for the Australian Book Industry Awards Literary Fiction Book of the Year and the Matt Rochelle Award for the New Writer of the Year. Mark's other novels are The Rip and The Others, which was shortlisted for the Best Fiction Prize in the 2022 Ned Kelly Awards. All very impressive, Mark. But today we're here to talk about Southern Aurora. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. It's great to be back. I always enjoy our interviews, so (laughs) I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, I really um, enjoy our chats too. We seem to go on these wild tangents. And I love how every time we speak again, your bio just gets longer. How great is that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, just, that's just age that's <laughs> the longer you're around you know the, those things just accumulate bit of luck a bit of talent bit of hard work all of that stuff first of all hit us up with an elevator pitch for southern aurora yeah sure um so southern aurora is the story of a kid named jimmy who's growing up on the poorest street in a small town in the 1980s And when we meet him, life's about to change because his older brother is just about to get out of jail. And there's also this billy cart race at his school that he's absolutely desperate to win. Meanwhile, his mum has a new boyfriend and this guy's a bit erratic, has a bit of a short fuse. So Jimmy's really careful to try to do everything right at home. So the story, it's essentially about Jimmy's attempts to overcome some of these circumstances in his life and really some of the difficult lessons that life dishes out to him along the way. Mm. What I really loved was, you know, both the complexity and the simplicity of, you know, the problems that Jimmy's going through. And I know one of the blurbs was, um, if only his mum didn't drink so much, if only he could win the school billy cart race, if only his best friend understood, if only he could stop his mum's boyfriend from getting angry. And there's a real juxtaposition between, you know, the billy cart race, you know, those light childhood things and those really heavy, deeper things, which is often what we have to deal with in childhood. And we don't have a choice that we have to deal with these things because they're put upon us. That That's right. And I think for... For Jimmy, um, and like a lot of kids who are in difficult circumstances, most most things are out of his control. So he looks to the things that are in are within his control and tries to to kind of you know win the billy cart race, um, be a good kid for his mum, look after his mum, look out for her, look out for Sam, his younger brother. He just tries to control everything in his world, and that's all. He can do in a sense, but there's almost like a degree of 
like magical thinking I think that occurs when you're a kid that you sort of go oh if I do this thing maybe this will happen and maybe this will happen and everything will be okay you know that's the only way you can you can operate and that's what I really um I I loved about Jimmy and I loved about this this character is that he he really um he's looking out for others and he wants to improve things for them you know, first and foremost, he wants things to improve in his own life, but he, he's sort of not really sure how to. Um, so it's it's kind of yeah, it, it's an interesting perspective to write from, and it's like even having written um, a young perspective before with with Jacob in mm. in the others, who was a very in a very very different circumstance. Yeah. Um, a, a difficult circumstance as well. Jimmy was his, you know, he was his own character and his own personality and he has his own, you know, list of challenges that he's dealing with. Um, yeah, so I, I really, like, I loved writing his story and I and I, and I loved writing this book and, you know, I, I hope that comes out on the page and I hope that's what readers feel too. Yeah, no, I think it does. And I, I love that juxtaposition between all those really heavy stuff and the and the lighter stuff of childhood because, you know, they're ever present, I think, for all of our childhoods, you know, and even the childhoods of our children because there's life happens, you know, and you can't you can't shield kids away from everything, unfortunately. That, that, that's right. And like in childhood can be, you know, it can be a pretty scary place, mm. even when things are relatively good because, you know, the, the the actions and motivations of adults around you are, are really complex and inscrutable to a, to a young kid. So you never fully know what's going going on and you just try to make sense of things. And I, I think sometimes we look back on our childhoods with kind of rose-coloured glasses in a way. Oh, oh nostalgia. Nostalgia, yeah, right? I, Great time. Everything was wonderful. But like if, if we were given the opportunity to to go back um into our younger selves, if we thought about it really, really deeply, I think most of us would go, mm, nah, no thanks. Yeah. It's, it's just... funny how we romanticize things, isn't it? Because whenever I speak of, you know, the eighties and you just came home and the street lights were on and you went roller skating everywhere with a helmet, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. And yeah. you had sleepovers and all these kind of things. And my kids asked me to do the same things. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I do exactly the same thing <laughs> when I talk about, like, my childhood um, and growing up in the country and this sort of kind of bucolic ideal. Oh, yeah. Like, my parents let me out the door in the front more in the morning and they didn't care what I was doing as long as I was back at night time and in one piece and all this sort of stuff. But you kind of you edit out all the the heavier stuff that was yeah. there too which I, I think that's that's kind of human nature really mm. but but it's it's up to i suppose me as a an author <laughs> giving you know a, a full rendering of um of of this era but also of um Jimmy's life to really try to do justice to some of that um complexity Mm. And there's the optimism of childhood too, because I love, you know, how you've written from the younger perspectives, because no matter, you know, whether there are hard things going on, there is a sense of optimism. And I think, I hope we don't lose that as adults, but as kids, I think we have that even more like everything, like you said, will work out if we just have to get here and do this and do that. There's that really beautiful sense of, I guess, naivety and optimism, which I hope we still carry a little bit of that into our adulthood. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. It's some of us. <laughs> 
beaten out of us repeatedly <laughs> bad shit happening over mm, and over mm. again but um you, you try to you try to carry on um and yeah you know, there's kind of there's a heavier aspect to that that um optimism too because you know when when kids are in um difficult situations when there's abuse occurring around them and, and other things they'll often internalize that as being their fault yeah right? because that's the only way they can conceive of, of the world in a lot of ways because they yeah. lack that sophistication so so those things when they're occurring can just leave you know lifelong scars on people so i don't want to sort of um sugarcoat any of that either in presenting sort of a, a kid who's really optimistic because i think if we um met jimmy you know like 20 30 years down the track he would be is probably really having a reckoning with some mm. of the things that he heard when he was young mm. it's interesting isn't it it's interesting when you do become an adult because like you say you've got that balance of romanticism and reality and all the like you said the scars that you carry and you've got to sort of carry that so i know i felt all of this stuff <laughs> with your novel <laughs> good <laughs> Good tick. <laughs> now you mentioned before, um, you know, Jimmy in his socioeconomic position. Why was that important for you to explore? Um, you know, it, it wasn't. I don't know if I was really, really conscious of that. It, it just occurred, and it, like, there's probably two two things I should talk about in terms of how how I wrote this book, just at a high level, because I started it. It was back in 2015, so it was before Wimmer had come out. It was wow. before I had a publisher. Mm. So I, I wrote this short story, which was actually um, based on some real events from from my youth, um, fictionalised, of course, uh, which is largely the I think the prologue of the story now, where like a, a dog um, comes to an unfortunate end, which. Yeah, we, we had heaps of dogs growing up and nearly all of them came to really unfortunate ends growing up in the country, unfortunately. Um, Un unpopular so I, in fiction too. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, I wrote this short story and I thought I, I wanted to kind of, there, there was something kind of scratching at me about it and I wanted to find out some more about this this kid's world. And and that's that's where it started in a, in a practical sense. Um, but... The sort of motivations for for writing it, like the the one that you hit upon with with those issues of um, socioeconomic disadvantage, um, I, I think that that has been kind of a, a bit of a theme in all in all my books, mm. but but in this story, it's more I guess in the foreground, and the reasons why I write write I write that I I'm not entirely sure. I think. Part of it goes back to to my my youth again, growing up in the country, and you know my, my parents, which I think I've mentioned to you before. Um, my parents uh, ran a pub, and so we, we were running this pub in this small town. And one of the things about being in a pub is that you you meet people from all walks of life, right? Like a country pub, because you get everyone coming in. You'll get you know local coppers politicians farmers unemployed people people who've got just got out of jail people who are um, drug addicted alcohol addicted all these kinds of things 
And, you know, one of the things that my, 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 my father, my late father really impressed upon me was that you've got to be able to talk to everyone when you're working behind the bar and you've got to listen to people because everyone's got a story. If you, you give them like the space to tell their story and they'll tell you their story. And I was kind of like a, a very deeply introverted young person. <laughs> and so I, I, the idea of working behind the bar didn't thrill me, to be honest, <laughs> and talking to customers even less so. So um, th- this was a hard, hard lesson for me, but I, I got talking to a lot of different people and and he was absolutely right. And so often those who you would make snap judgments about in terms of, you know, how they were dressed, how they spoke, um, maybe had drug issues, maybe had alcohol issues, they often had really, um, really interesting stories to their lives. And sometimes just, you know, some kind of bad shit happened, which really threw them um, off track in their life. And because of those um, broader socioeconomic issues, um, they're often not able to get back uh, on on the right track in life. And so life just kind of spiralled out of control for them. And I think that really, really stayed with me. And those issues of, of class um and and of disadvantage is still as is, is present in fact even more present today in Australia than they were back then in the 80s like the the gaps between um the wealthy and the poor are greater housing is a huge issue um you know th- those those gulfs have gotten wider so that's the sort of atmosphere in which I'm writing, but in saying all that, I, I'm not like, I don't sit down and go, okay, here's a dot point list of some of the issues I want to cover. Um, I'm going to write a story about this. Like I, I start with, with this character and I just want to follow and do justice to his story. And inevitably, because I'm aware of these broader issues, some of those things um, bleed onto the page but I, I never, and I, I'm sure I've said this to you before, I, I never, like, um, go into writing a novel thinking there's a particular message I want to give to the to the reader here, and if they don't leave with that message, I have failed. I, I, I don't care about, like, like telling the, the reader any kind of message or anything like that. I just want to write a story that's hopefully compelling and interesting and layered um, if you want to go into those deeper issues. But if you want to read a story that's just kind of entertaining and takes you away from, you know, your day-to-day, that's completely fine Mm. too. So, like, I I don't mind. I think, you know, once I've written the book, once it's in the world, the relationship occurs between the reader and the book. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. And whatever that the reader wants to take from it, if they love it, great. If they hate it, that's fine. You know, um, actually, that's not fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. not fine, but I don't have a choice. I've got to live with it. <laughs> no, that's right. As long as they don't tell me they hate it. And don't okay. put it on Goodreads, for goodness sake. Don't. No, don't that, do that. That's, that, that's fine too. Like, I think... <laughs> Goodreads is the place for for readers, not for authors, as people <laughs> say. So that's okay. Um, we'll so deal with I'm, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I, I'm I'm completely okay with it. Um, 
but yeah, so so that's sort of like the um I guess the the broader ethos that I that I bring to mm. to writing. I'm the sort of like a I guess a sponge to the issues that are going on around me and the things that I'm interested in. Um but yeah, it's it's never about um kind of yeah giving a lesson yeah you said a couple of things like so many things that i wanted to just circle back to um one of them was the idea of everyone has a story and i love that idea of people just come as they are because we don't know people's stories we have to assume everybody has one like you said and i really like that idea of you know not i don't know i feel like when you're younger, there's a whole set of judgments, people that you feel like people are judging you and, you know, there are judgments made on others. And I feel like as you get older and, and you've also experienced many things, I think we feel, you know, less entitled to make these judgments because people, you know, people's lives are complex and, you know, things change us and things traumatize us and things make us, you know, make decisions that maybe aren't, you know, not everyone agrees with. So I love the idea of come as you are, without judgment and, you know, give people space to tell their story because we all have many. <laughs> and I think, you know, once you hear people's stories, I think that can really, you know, help you as well, not not to be that judgy person. So I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. It's part of um, um, maturing, I think, as a as a human being. <laughs> Knowing um, the world knocks you around, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Sort of, you know, where you come from. You, you're gonna like that. Bad things are gonna happen. Um, but also, I think understanding too that that often so much of it is out of our control, yeah. and like a lot of the things that, and I know that you know there, there's kind of um, a lot of psychological theory around this too about those early events in our um, lives really um, being so instrumental to those the, the people that we ultimately become and the kinds yeah. of decisions that we make and all those sorts of things. So um, if, if there's anything like I would, I would love readers to take um, from, my, from my books, it would be from this book in particular, I guess it, it, it is... Um, perhaps just having a bit of a, a pause and exactly what you're talking about, mm -hmm. that kind of um, compassion for, for others and, and perhaps not, not making um, snap judgments. I, yeah. It, like Jimmy's situation that he's in and his family's in and that his mum's in, they're, they're kind of trapped in a way and it's very, very difficult for them to get out of that. And I think that's as real today, even more real than what it was back in the 80s. Mm. Um, so I, I'm just contradicting myself and just saying <laughs> I, I, want, I want people to take a particular <laughs> message. I, I don't. I don't. But, but I, that's think, I think it's interesting, though, you don't come in with one, but then it emerges and all these things emerge that have affected you and, you know, that you're interested in, that you've, you've observed. So I think, you know, if that comes out of it, I think that's cool as well. But, you know, what I loved what you said as well about, you know, everyone takes something different from a story so someone might take that from your story but someone might just be entertained by it and like you said the reader owns the story once it's out in the world which you know is fine but i love that when you when you see a film or read a book and everybody takes something different from it you know that's when you know it's an incredible book or an incredible film i remember watching the whale 
breathtaking film where I just cried for an hour and the lights came on and I, I just felt like everyone just took something different from it according to their context and their life and what they were going through. So I think that's what you're talking about with your books, that there's no specific lesson, but whatever you take from it, because then that makes that book really personal and special for you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And there's, you know, it's the wonderful thing about art and about literature that we we all um, kind of draw our, our own inferences from yeah. what, what we what we see. It's why, um, you know, book clubs are great and interesting for people to go to because if everyone felt exactly the same way, it'd be pretty boring. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, one of the great things about uh being published like I, I i remember when wimmera was published like before wimmera was published i sort of thought oh if i could get this this book published i'll be happy you know just to have the book out in the world that'll be amazing um and that's sort of the the end game that i that i saw but what i've come to realize is really part of the magic of um of having your work published as you know is that people will interact with it in different ways and they'll tell you about their interactions with mm. it very, very different, sometimes very different from the way that you conceived mm. of it as well. They'll interpret things in a different way, um, even the way the story ends or what might have happened after the story, all sorts of stuff. So that's that's great. Like I, I love it at um, festivals and book events when you when you hear from readers and they've just got completely different different takes on it. Um, and, and that's part of the, uh, I suppose, um, process of writing as well. That I want to allow room for that to occur, like in the way that I write. I don't want to um, sort of. Uh, have everything neatly wrapped up mm. in a way that there isn't room for interpretation. I want that interaction between reader and the work um, because that's like what I love as a reader. Like yeah. when I, books that I love um, are the ones where I just feel so engrossed and I feel like a sense of almost ownership about what what's going <laughs> on and I feel like I'm inside of the story um, so that's what I what I try to bring, I suppose, to the page as well. Mm, I love that. And that is my favourite. You know, that's when a book stays with you forever, isn't it? When, you know, you've brought yourself to, into it and, you know, you take out of it what you need. I love that. I'm often scared of reading books that I loved, you know, 10 or 20 years ago because you're in a you know, particular position in life. And I'm often scared of reading those books that I love so much because I'm like, am I going to love them again? Or was it just the book that I needed at the time? Like I have a real fear of these books that I love and going back, I want to love it as much as I did 20 years ago. <laughs> I, yeah, I totally totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to I, stay I, on the shelf <laughs> with that memory you have of them. The safest place for them, I think. <laughs> it's like the 80s, just romanticise everything. That's, <laughs> I have a big problem doing that. <laughs> now, I love the setting of a small town. You know, I feel like small towns, they've got so much to offer. They're, they're suffocating, but they're familiar. Everyone knows each other. They seem safe, but often they're not. Um, or they've got some sort of dark side to them. Tell me um, about this setting in this book. Yeah, so it's this town, um, fictional town, Mitagunda, which is sort of halfway between Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and that's that's important because there's a train that um, travels through 
through the town, the Southern Aurora, which was a real train which existed um, in the 80s and I think earlier in the 70s too. Um, and so the train stops in in Mittagunda. It's a halfway point between Melbourne and Sydney. And and for for Jimmy, the, the train is like this really potent um, symbol of something more to life, something more outside in the world, you know, because it's this first-class train with um, uh, these shiny people inside and it's going to Melbourne or Sydney and that just sounds so glamorous to him and interesting. So it takes on this kind of uh, special symbolism in the story. The, the small town aspect, I guess that, you know, probably a, a psychologist could answer better why I keep writing sort of small towns but like I having grown up in a small town mm -hmm. um that that experience still feels very real to me um and the memory's very very vivid as well and I think there is wonderful things about growing up in a small town there you know it, it, the things we touched on earlier those bucolic aspects of of safety um familiarity people know who you are who your parents are etc but that's all got a flip side of course because um if you you're kind of um from the struggling part of town and you know um you single parent and or partial pretty much unemployed or things aren't going right people will make judgments about you and one of the things I experienced in um, a small town was that everybody knows something about you and if they don't know things about you they'll just make it up and so there's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of innuendo that that occurs, and so they can be incredibly, incredibly suffocating places. It's like you could you could feel like like particularly my experience growing up, um, because my parents had the pub, and we were sort of like you know one of the only ethnic families in town as well. You sort of you felt um, like everyone knew you mm. and knew about you and kind of made judgments about you too so there were like really really wonderful aspects but also aspects that that can be quite suffocating and it's it's interesting you know my my partner she sort of um she's ne never lived in the country but she has this kind of uh um dream of one day owning a place in the country and you know um going to stay there spend time down there and I sort of try to like disabuse her of <laughs> kind of those ideas. Yeah, but, yeah, one day. <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I love. I do love the, the, the country. Like it's it's wonderful. And I was really really lucky um, to grow up there because I, I did experience those wonderful aspects of of freedom. Um, but you know, for, for 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 Jimmy and his life, a little bit like when his older brother. Um, Mick gets out of jail and and sort of gives him and this is not a spoiler but he sort of tells him you know it's kind of no good to be staying in this town because people will always um say that you're from you know the wrong part of town mm -hmm. and always talk about your predicament and that your older brother's been in jail and 
that's just the, the the nature of things, and those things can be very very um, suffocating. So, yeah, it's it's like there's he- heaps of people writing about small towns um, <laughs> in Australia, and heaps of people in like kind of more um, pure crime genre are writing about small towns. Um, and I think that's partly uh, just a, a result of how big of a country we are. So living in the cities. We often have this very um, uh, vague understanding of what country life is is really like, because there's often even in in areas that are not um, uh, as as struggling as what Mitigunda is in this story, there's often like a real lack of services, a lack of opportunities, um, a lack of employment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lack of places to rent, as we've, we're sort of experiencing at the moment too. So there's a whole lot of complicated issues there. Um, so, yeah, so I guess that that's, I guess, some of the, the reasons why I, I, I've, I've been writing about um, small towns, well, twice anyway, <laughs> in, in Wimmera and Southern Aurora, not in every book. Yeah, and the psychology of them is interesting and the city is interesting in the opposite way because you can be so anonymous in a city, you know, but then you can be around, you know, so many people in the city but feel lonely. So there's all these complexities, you know, no matter where you put people, I think. So I find both a small town and the city, I find them really interesting because they're both these juxtaposing places that pose different problems. Yeah, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And, I mean, that was the thing that most appealed to me when I was 17, 18, about moving to, to Melbourne was, like, the anonymity. Mm. That just seemed amazing. You can walk around <laughs> and no one knows who you are. Amazing. Oh, right. This is freedom. This is, like, really. There is a freedom, isn't it? It's interesting there's a freedom amongst you can walk down very busy streets of anywhere in Melbourne, but there is that sense of freedom because, you know, you have that ability to be anonymous. It's, it's strange, isn't it? You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't, you think freedom's in the, in the country. And I guess in a, in a different way there is, but not in the way that everyone knows you and knows your business and knows your family and all that kind of stuff. So it's really exactly. interesting. I find that stuff fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it is fascinating. I think there's a, a, a thesis waiting to be written about. <laughs> well, I'll give that to you. I don't have the attention span. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I. <laughs> I'll just stick to numbers, I think. Now, I've asked you this before, but I'll sort of tweak it a bit. Why do you keep writing four books in? I know there's a fifth one and a sixth one. So why do you keep writing? I love that silence after this question because it's a hard question. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I, th- I, th- I think that the, the reasons for me, I, I don't know what my previous answers to it. Oh, it doesn't matter. They change all the time. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the thing. I think it probably probably has changed. Um Oh, I think it has to. It has to be that excitement about a story, you know, and or or something. I, I kind of like want to clarify in my own own mind. Mm. So, like for Southern Aurora, it was this um, this image and this kind of short story. This kid and the dog who died, and you know, what 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 is it? I want to find out here. What is it? I want to clarify. And I think the, the the writing process is, for me, that process of clarification, of like arriving at a kind of moment where I go, oh, this is why I think I wanted to write this. Mm-hmm. Now, now I think I kind of get it. 
um, and you hope that the reader comes along with you on that quote unquote journey um, to to kind of a, a point of clarification, a point of understanding, whether it's just understanding about the the characters and their situation. So it, it's it's there's got to be that that drive that that something scratching at me about mm. um, a particular. Um, whether it can be like an image or a scene or or, or a character and something they've said that I, I want to find out more about and and so I've got to have that that drive it certainly isn't about um you know uh ideas of success or winning awards or sales or anything like that anymore because I just I think so much of that is completely out of your control. I mean, going back to this issue of control, that's out of yeah. your control. And mm-hmm. all, all you can do is write the best story that you can and and then just let it go. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's really what, I guess, drives me. I, I think if I got to a point where I, I, I didn't feel that, excitement about the writing of a story or I didn't really um I wasn't that motivated to to get back to the desk to go inside that world because that that's what it is for me like it's weeks and weeks of being inside this world day after day um you know when I wrote the others that was really hard because it was a very difficult environment to be in um southern aurora was different but if I don't feel that excitement, I, I think I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try to find something else to do. But <laughs> like, luckily that hasn't happened yet. Like I still feel excited and um, excited about the next um, project that I'm, I'm thinking about as well. So, yeah, hopefully it, it stays like that. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So you've got no, I mean, I know you can't tell me you have to kill me, but there's an idea brewing for a fifth yeah. book. Yeah, for the fifth one. Um, small so, town? No, not a small town. Not a small town. Um, no. Um, so so it'll be very, very different uh, again. Um, so, yeah, I, and I do feel really excited about it. And I love this stage of, mm. you know, not yet um, writing it. It just sort of like I have this ridiculous document with, which I just put sort of ideas or things into as they kind of come to me um most of which i'll end up just um dis like disposing of and never ever using but it's kind of a nice phase to be in because anything is possible yeah and those ideas um, get you to the next place you know even if you don't use them they get you to the next place and the next that's right that's right i keep kind of going into it and like bolding and highlighting things going oh this is what it is this is what it's like this is the important part. And then later on, like pushing that further down and having something new bold and highlighted. <laughs> so, so kind of, yeah, it, it, it shifts. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, an, an idea there that I've, I've, I've been working on. Um, I've, I have done part of the writing of it. Um, 
but I, I've just parked it for a while just while I'm doing the Southern Aurora stuff. So mm, Yeah. No, I think the thinking process is it's the most optimistic, it's the most fun, it's the most creative before you actually have to get the words to make sense and make story. So it is the fun bit. Yeah. <laughs> the work the work part will come later. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mark. I always love our conversations and it's always a matter of, oh, you know, I prepare questions, but I also prepare never to use them. So you haven't disappointed me again. Um, <laughs> I like how we just keep going on these tangents and having this um, really cool chat about so many things. So thank you, Mark. Um, loving the fourth book. Already am excited about the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much um, once again for spending time talking about your work. It was a pleasure as always, Danny. Thank, thank you for inviting me on.